Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Today we're going to be talking about the two wings, and this is a this is a teaching in in Buddhism, uh, talking about the the two wings of of the bird of our, our spiritual path, and the two wings are, are wisdom and compassion. This is really important teaching because most of us lean one way or the other, or at, at least in, in my experience, also uh, I have leaned in certain times of my practice one way or the other. And sometimes it's innate, just our our way of being is usually more wisdom or more compassion, or it can be a time in our practice. Now, for the for the bird to fly true, to actually reach its, its destination, we have to have them equal and balanced, or we're going to veer off track. So this is a really, really important teaching teaching of awareness and mindfulness to see where we're at and how we could how we could balance these two. So the first thing is that we are headed somewhere. So yeah, this is let's say it's a bird of our, our spiritual path. And so it's actually going somewhere. So there's a destination. Right. So of course like this is a non-destination destination, destination. <laughs> our true being is is not like we're going anywhere right ultimately but conceptually then we're going to put this kind of note of of destination on it like we're actually going to go somewhere but we're actually not <laughs> so this is the this is the first thing the second thing is the bird itself, the body of the bird. The body of the bird represents renunciation. Very scary word, right? Renunciation means that we have to give up something. <laughs> and so luckily, what we have to give up is not actually what fulfills us. We're actually giving up suffering. We have to give up craving, we have to give up we have to give up being depressed and being filled with anxiety and feeling lost. We have to give that up. <laughs> really it's about giving up this this craving. So we look at the you know the first noble truth that you know we're, that we are suffering even though we're grasping onto these things that we feel that we're that they're giving us benefit, but actually they're not. Right? There's something lacking, something unsatisfactory about what we're grasping onto. So seeing this, we know that we need to we need to give we need to give that up. We need to give up what we're grasping onto because we're we're grasping onto enough, we're realizing enough, I should say, wisdom to know that this isn't it. I'm really not getting out of these things what I really want. Right? So this is like the first step of, 
renunciation. This is the first step onto the spiritual path. Like, why, why, are we are he- why are we all here? If we were having what we call a good samsara, we probably wouldn't be here. You know, there's, one of my teachers loves to say, good samsara. Good samsara are the people that are having such a great life, they don't need to come to, to Dharma practice, right? It's only when we wake up to, to the fact that this isn't it, there must be something more, then this is when we start to get on the spiritual path. Yeah. And even that first step of getting on the spiritual path, this is the first step of renunciation. We're already renunciating. There's so many things that we could be doing today. Right now, we live in an amazing city, in an amazing you know, state full of so many options. Just the fact that we're here is, is quite amazing, especially turning inward. I mean, this is the most amazing action of renunciation is to stop, to sit, to be still. Oh, amazing, isn't it amazing? Amazing. Because we are renunciating everything outside of ourselves for a moment, for two moments, for half an hour, for an hour. And this has been our habitual pattern for so long, is to grasp out here. And so just by sitting, even for a moment, is really, really profound. Really profound. Tom Kabat-Zinn likes to say revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. Right? Completely 180 degrees away from where we usually look for happiness to turn that around inside. So this renunciation starts to turn us towards selflessness. This renunciation is also has this, this humility to it. And so we start to look into this idea that maybe <clears throat> our happiness is really not dependent wholly on what we get for ourselves. But actually we look and say, you know, my happiness is actually dependent not only on myself being happy, but others being happy. I cannot, you know, the Bodhisattva way is, you know, I really cannot be fully, completely content in happiness while others around me are, are suffering so greatly. And this is part of that renunciation that we know that if, if we are suffering because of every that what we're grasping onto is unsatisfactory, that means that everybody else must be too. Right? This is very common, that everybody is pushing a shopping cart with one wheel kind of messed up. Everyone grabbed that same shopping cart in life. I don't know if I've ever spoke to any, anyone, well, I don't know what they really think about this, but usually when you say, how are you? People will, well, they won't be that honest, but they just say, oh, good. But if you, really, if you really talk to a dear friend or something, usually it's things are good, but. You know, and the majority of the conversation is about that but. About that what is, oh, but 
uh, yeah, I can't wait till I'm almost, you know, I'm going to retire or I'm going to get a new job or I can't wait to get this one thing worked out. And so we see the commonality in that. And so this moves us to, to seek this, this compassion, this renunciation. And it also moves us into wisdom. Because we need, now we, we're looking for truth. And so let me kind of, kind of unravel wisdom here. When we talk about wisdom in this sense, it's about seeing things as they truly are. So wisdom is the opposite. In Buddhism, they have a, a term of, of ignorance. And ignorance doesn't mean, uh, in, in the same way that we use ignorance sometimes, just meaning um, dumb to us, uh, or unwise in a certain way. Ignorance means uh, not seeing things as they truly are. And wisdom is to see things as they truly are. So this is wisdom, is true seeing things as they really are, which means seeing past the magical display of phenomena. That these see things, that things seem like they arise and they seem like they are as we see them, but they're actually not. So seeing past that. So this is what we mean by wisdom. Now, if we just have wisdom and we don't have compassion, then it just stays conceptual. So we could read all we want about its true nature and truth, and we could read all the awesome non-dual texts that we have available now, and the non-dual teachings. This is just awareness, talk about Buddha nature, but we can never experience it for real without compassion. It just stays up here, right? So we could even regurgitate it, and we could sound like we even know what we're talking about. I do it all the time. <laughs> but it's actually not real, right? It's way, it's up here. It's not infused with compassion. Now, if we have compassion, but we don't have wisdom, there's problems there too. For one, compassion, loving kindness takes on many, many, many different faces. Sometimes we need, someone needs a hug. Someone might need uh, some tough love at some point, right? It's very delicate. It takes a lot of wisdom to know actually how to give this loving kindness at any given time, right? But also, too, without wisdom, without true seeing, then we can get stuck into depression, right? Like we have like an empath type of situation. Very sensitive people sometimes get overwhelmed with compassion, get, get, get compassion fatigue, right? Because they're not seeing the true nature of things. So if we lose sight on the true nature of things, then we're, we're giving and giving like everything is real. So see, this is a very, it's very touchy here, right? 
Because then we get to the point where we're both we're seeing like we can go into nihilism in both ways. Saying, well, if this is if this is a, in truth, this is a magical display, and we are simply awareness. We are oneness. And therefore, like nobody's, there's actually no one to even suffer. You can get very deep into the wisdom mind, but this is seeing clearly. So it's like, well, then why do we give love anyway? Like, who's even giving and receiving love? So this is this is nearly, you know, this is kind of a, you know, higher in discussion with ourselves, you know. And. The answer is, we love because that's what we are. We love because that's what we are. And this is why it's so important to go beyond the conceptual. So this is, see we can conceptualize loving kindness too, which means if there is an egoic, egoic reason why we are being loving, if there is an egoic intention behind it. We have to be very honest and very truthful about this. Then we cannot really, really be love. And same thing with our search for wisdom, you know. Our search for wisdom and our search, you know, for quote-unquote enlightenment. If there's an egoic reason behind it, if we think that's going to help us in our life achieve anything outside of ourselves, we're not going to really be able to experience experience it fully. So you have to be very careful. Where what's our intention for getting this? Do we actually think we're going to get this and it's going to make our life better? Are we looking this? Are we looking at this this path to build a better dream, or are we looking really authentically, in a genuine sense, to? wake up from the dream, not get out of the dream, not like there's any aversion to anything that we're realizing here or experiencing, but we, do we really want to wake up to, to truth? Do we really want to wake up to truth? And if so, we need to leave things behind, right? We need to have renunciation. And then we need to we need to balance those those two qualities, those two aspects of enlightened mind and enlightened heart, those two aspects of our own being. Because there could be a grasping to those. There could be a new identity created around wisdom. I've known Buddhist scholars; they're absolutely amazing. They could tell you anything about any type of scripture it's phenomenal like their 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 intellect around the teaching now if if they're not careful they could actually build an identity that they're a buddhist scholar of course none of us really care about being a buddhist scholar right we want to be awake we want to be free of suffering there's also some people that have a magnificent ability to give love and compassion and people see that in them and people actually revere that in them and they have to be very very careful not to build up an identity 
around that love and compassion, right? And so both of those, that, that non-identity, you know, comes from real seeing. And so it's one of those things where like a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. I think either one of those, you know, could be dangerous. That experience in my own life, in my tradition, uh, the, the teacher, after a while, points out, it's called pointing out instructions, they point out to you the true nature of mind, right? So I was with my teacher, and after some years, so he gave me pointing out instructions. He pointed out the true nature of mind. So if I was more evolved, I might have actually like got enlightened or something, right? But I'm not that involved, evolved. So I got a glimpse, and it was really, really powerful, really amazing. But it was just a glimpse. So very, very luckily for me, I was living at a center, and I was living with another one of my teachers who I just think is so phenomenal. Her name is Venerable Tenzin Shoki. And I told her about my experience. And she says, oh, you know, Rinpoche's pointing out instructions worked for you. She says, now I want you to only practice loving kindness and compassion, bodhicitta training, that's it really with all your heart that's what I want you to practice and I see what she was doing was that I had a very dangerous glimpse of wisdom I saw for a few seconds I was able to see how things as they were but I was not able to abide there I wasn't abiding there all the time and so Without abiding there, my experience could very easily be conceptualized and turn into nihilism. Like saying, oh, okay, this is, this is how things are, but only by abiding there can you see that emptiness is infused automatically with compassion. Automatically. You know? But I needed to cultivate what we call relative bodhicitta, wanting enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, relative compassion, relative loving kindness to equal out to equal out that experience so it can become very very delicate like we really need to be awake to these two aspects I'm just going to read a little bit about True wisdom, or right view, is kind of a little um, description of it by Ergen Rinpoche, a great Dzogchen master. Post-meditation is likened to the eight analogies of illusion. They begin with the metaphor of a magician who can conjure realities, or sorry, conjure unrealities to the, by the means of mantra and magical substance. He creates people, creatures, and buildings that seemingly really exist, although they do not have any concrete existence whatsoever. They are still experienced by the audience, and the watchers believe these phenomenon, phenomenons to be real. In actuality, however, they are nothing other than a magical creation. Everything, 
all our daily realities like that. The other analogies of illusion include an echo, a mirage, a reflection, a dream, a rainbow, and a moon in the water. The illusions are examples of how sentient beings deluded, deludedly believe phenomena to be real. According to the sutra system during post-meditation, one should superimpose the idea of magical illusion upon whatever, whatever is experiencing during the activities of daily life by reminding oneself, this is nothing but a dream. It is all unreal. One trains in regarding all experiences as possessing the sense of insubstantiality. The training in the sessions is not, does not hold anything in mind whatsoever. It is therefore taught that the meditation state is unconstructed like space, while the post-meditation -medit <coughs> state is like magical illusion. So this is just an idea of, of what wisdom means, what right view is, is just to see everything in its true nature outside of, outside of the illusion, just to get a, kind of solidify our view of what it means to have wisdom. This is what wisdom in this sense means, wisdom and compassion, true seeing. So we're going to do a little meditation now that just infuses these two aspects in one meditation. So we're first just going to connect to the heart. I'm going to do so by thinking or remembering a situation or an action where you are able to give or receive kindness. This could be something as simple as petting an animal, holding the door open for somebody. or hugging a loved one. And then tuning into the the feeling the warmth the experience of this and just say some meta phrases some loving kindness phrases mentally and you could just repeat these mentally. May all beings be happy. May all beings feel this kindness 
that I have once felt. May all beings give and receive kindness to one another. May all beings feel safe, free from harm. And just visualize in your mind's eye this intention going out to all beings human and otherwise, all the animals and insects. Even the smallest insect will recoil <coughs> if it is about to be harmed. May all beings be happy. So this intention, wherever you feel this intention most in your body, maybe a global feeling, might be an experience, might be a, a warmth in your heart, a tingling. Or even just the intention itself, maybe it's unidentified, but stay with the experience of this. Go ahead and drop any visualizations or phrases, letting go of the mind and being with the heart. And the heart can be everywhere, it can be a global experience. So making this the meditation, this warmth, this experience of kindness, how it feels in your own being. Breathe life into it through your attention. Breath by breath. Really feel it getting stronger.
And then finally looking at who's looking. Looking at what separates the experiencer of love from love itself. Where does love begin and end? Giving yourself permission to drop the meditator even drop the meditation. For a few moments, just be this, whatever this is, just be it. have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.